Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. unprecedented expedition once they made history i must see to it that you die now they are history bill and ted are dead welcome to hell it's the grim reaper dude how's it hanging death but they're having one hell of a time this is not what i expected this place to look like at all you got totally lied to by our album covers man taking in the sights not bad dude we totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken making new friends excuse us dude but is there any way we can get back you may challenge me to a contest j7 you have sank my battleship Best two out of three. What? Hello, welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch movies and TV shows we haven't seen in, oh, quite a while. See how they hold up today. Got a little folksy there. Uh, I'm J.M. McNabb, joined as always by... Robert J. Laurent Esquire. <laughs> I'm not really an Esquire. I don't know what that means. And Blaine is not here still. He's still on vacation, but I'm kind of glad he's not here. Yeah, me too. And we'll get we'll get into guy. why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, I have a specific reason, not like a mean reason. What's with all his vacations? I know, <laughs> I know right? Maybe he's traveling throughout history oh. uh, for a, for a school report. <laughs> but we are talking about uh, a big movie. Big, big movie for us. It's mm-hmm. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey mm-hmm. from 1991. This is the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which was a huge movie. We've talked about it on the podcast before. I re-listened to some of that podcast just this afternoon, and Blaine was not a big fan of Excellent Adventure, oh, as you and I were. Okay. Yeah, so that's why I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not too disappointed yeah. he's, uh, he's away because he would him. just be... I know, right? It's we're like a duo, like Bill and Ted. Yeah, it's, it is more thematically appropriate this way. And you know, no offense, Blaine, but you are no George Carlin. No. Just gonna put that out no. there. But before we get into all that, uh, I do want to say that we are an E1 podcast mm-hmm. uh, on the E1 network, 
And I also want to announce that next week for Patreon, uh, which you can subscribe to at patreon.com slash rewatchability, we're going to be doing a review of the new Bill and Ted movie. The reason why we're talking about Bogus Journey today is, of course, Bill and Ted Face the Music is coming out this week Whoa! in in theaters and on VOD uh, in case, you know... <laughs> you don't want to go to theaters for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to watch from the comfort of my home. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how I know you're a fan, like, you're for sure going to watch it. And we do live in a city where movie theaters are open. Are you going to go to the big screen or are you going to do the VOD thing? No, I can't do it. I think, frankly, and I don't mean to, like, put down people who maybe are making the choice, but I feel like it's a little bit irresponsible because, I mean, the COVID cases are sort of starting to climb again. And it's because, you know, people are going and doing things like seeing movies and going to pubs and doing things that they weren't doing, you know, a while ago. So, I mean, I think it's kind of like, I don't know. I think people should seriously reconsider going to the movie theaters. And I'm not trying to hurt the cinema. And I'm not trying to, like, you know, put somebody down for making their own personal decisions. If that's what you feel like you're safe to do, I just don't think it's a very good idea yeah i'm like like uh, i'm one of those people where my favorite place in the world is the movie theater i'm mm -hmm. i'm never happier than when i'm at a movie theater and i'm not fucking going no <laughs> uh but yeah but yeah and i you know i obviously want you know the theaters to stay in business and uh you know I, i'm afraid for the future of of theatrical presentation but I am also, you know, it's one of those, it's one of the things infectious disease experts say is, is probably not the best thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, and I'm actually really happy that the Bill and Ted people made the decision to do a theatrical release at the same time as a VOD release. I think that's the way to go, you yeah. know, like put it out there. So if theaters are open, if they're safe to do so, you know, they, you know, they have that option, but it's also like, you know, it's not punishing those of us who, you know, may not live in a city where theaters are open or may not feel comfortable going to a theater or may, you know, live with someone who's immunocompromised or be immunocompromised themselves or have some other kind of condition. Mm -hmm. Or you uh, just can't so, sneak out to watch the Bill and Ted movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know what, maybe you just can't scrape together 14 bucks right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bogus. What? Well, I guess you can't pay for the VOD if you do that. Actually, I don't know how much the VOD is. I think you get to keep it though. Oh, I think it's like twenty or thirty bucks, but it's you know it's not a rental. Put it on the shelf next to my VHSs. Yeah, put it on your virtual shelf. So anyway, so we'll be doing that. If you are a Patreon already, or if you become one, you can get that bonus episode where we talk about the new movie, which we haven't seen yet, but we will watch as soon as it comes out and record that bonus episode. Okay, so Rob, Bogus Journey. Yes. We, we talked about how influential excellent adventure was for you as a youth right in the in the late 80s i was a billsian two years later you know you were what? i was a billsian I, I i followed the philosophy of bill in particular you know i had some uh, colleagues okay. who were tedsians but <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the same <laughs> what do you uh, mean what what was what was your experience with uh, with Bogus Journey when it came out? Because it's a it's a much different film. It's a, it's a a darker film too, for especially sure. for you know for kids. Yeah, w w did you see it when it first came out? Yeah, I mean, I saw it when I was a kid. This was probably like before my like rocker phase, though. 
you know, I think all the elements were certainly there. I just like the characters of Bill and Ted. I thought that they were a lot of fun. And then when I actually like got into that sort of music, it did sort of help a bit uh, to get the uh, references or more of the references anyway. But yeah, I loved Bogus Journey. I thought it was a you know deserving sequel. It sort of like made the story bigger and like existential in a way. Like you know, suddenly Bill and Ted were facing their doubles. You know, there's been lots of great movies about people facing their doubles and then death and all of that stuff. And um, I think. I recognize that some elements were kind of cheesy, but I I sort of loved it for that anyway. Like, you know, like, yeah, you want these guys to, like, succeed because they're so hopeful in their ways. Yeah, so I, I love the movie, but I, I also haven't watched it in a long time. I've seen the OG Bill and Ted I would say, you know, more often, more recently, if I find that on TV or, you know, if it's on a streaming service, I'll watch it. But Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, it's been a while since I have went on that journey. So I wasn't sure how I'd feel. But of course, I love Bill and Ted. So I was also like aware that it's going to be hard to peel myself away from my biases. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I I was also a big fan of the first one. And I remember being excited for this when it came out, but I didn't see it in the theaters because, uh, infectious disease. Scared. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Even then I knew theaters weren't safe. <laughs> you got scared. I, I got scared, man. I was a little kid and, uh, I was going to summer camp at the time. And like another kid who's a little older saw the movie and he told me all about it. And, he told me specifically about like how the robot Bill and Ted like <laughs> pull their faces off right. in the early scene. Yes. And that just like that conjured an image that was uh, very disturbing. For sure. And I, I guess like <laughs> it's funny, the last few months of this podcast have kind of served as a therapy because I think I had a thing about like having nightmares about like skin peeling off mm-hmm. or people peeling their own skin off, which I now realize after doing this podcast can be directly linked to watching Cocoon with my parents wow. as a kid. I think that was the source of yeah. it, honestly. <laughs> so you and have like so a fear I, of, of your skin being pulled off, or is it other people's skin being pulled off? Or what is it exactly I, that makes you terrified? I don't know, but I think it was it was something about that image in Cocoon where they all peel their skin off. And then someone told me that happens in Bill and Ted, and it freaks me <laughs> out. And, How did you feel and about I, Silence I probably of also the Lambs? <laughs> <laughs> a few years later i did i did quite like it but uh i uh yeah no it's not something that troubles me now but there was something about the the stories that i heard from friends who'd seen it and then you know the commercials and the trailers you know presented a much darker movie right. like where they you know as we'll talk about die in in you know the first 20 minutes so i was uh, a little scared off but what I did do was I bought the Marvel comic <laughs> adaptation, okay. which is actually an amazing comic okay. and uh, arguably maybe even better than the movie for Whoa. some reasons. Be- this is like, like Eisner level winning a comic book. It's a great comic. It was by Evan Dorkin, who went on to, he's the guy who did like milk and cheese okay. and, uh, was he did something else this big, but he it was such a successful comic that he ended up doing a whole Bill and Ted series after this. It's, it's a really great comic, 
And it also incorporates a lot of the deleted scenes and alternate moments that were cut from the movie. So it it almost presents a, a whole different ending, which we'll get into Most maybe a heinous. bit later in the show. That's awesome. Yeah, but... But I'd also like I you know eventually I watched the movie and I love the movie and uh, I also haven't rewatched it as much as the original but I've always kind of thought just at least for its boldness that the second one is is maybe a bit better but I was interested to rewatch it especially because it's it's so tied to the comic for me I couldn't remember totally what happened in the comic and what happened in the movie it's all it's all a jumble and a haze and and uh, you know but that's quarantine <laughs> wow <laughs> it's all a haze man. <laughs> uh, but let's get into what happens because a whole lot of stuff happens oh, yeah. in this movie. Do you want to do the rundown? Yeah, I, I will. So Bill and Ted, Bogus Journey, it starts with a evil guy doing a very evil monologue. And it seems like this guy is not the biggest Bill and Ted fan. And his friends, they don't seem like Bill and Ted fans either. So it seems like uh, something something freaky's going on there. Now, this is the future, and we get to see the glorious utopia that Bill and Ted have led to, the thing that was told, talked about so much in the first movie. And, you know, first we see Bill and Ted University, BNTU, great school, a little bit of a party school. But I don't know how rock and roll it is, but all the students are, like, wearing these, like, day-glow, asymmetrical, blocky outfits that look (laughs) absolutely identical. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look very like '90s rock or. <laughs> yeah, it looks. Yeah, it looks like uh, like the residents of Hill Valley in 2015, like that kind of like neon uh, hula hoop aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I was at this point like. I'm kind of on the bad guy side because at least like they have better fashion sense. I mean, I know that's a slippery slope, but uh, I just like yeah. to wear a lot of black. So yeah, totally. Played by Joss Ackland. Right. And what's what's he he's known for guy. other than this? He he's the guy in Lethal Weapon Two who goes diplomatic immunity. Nice. And and probably other stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Well he's he's pretty good in this, but he sort of interrupts Rufus teaching this class. He's teaching this big old class on, you know, something or other. He has the guy from Faith No More there for some reason. And uh <laughs> You know, a gentleman and a scholar in his own right, but sure. this bad guy. How do you, how do I pronounce his name? Demono, Demonolos, Dinamolos. I don't know. It's it's the writer Ed Solomon's name backwards. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's a, there's a good writing tip for screenwriters out there. If you can't come up with a fun name, just take your own name and, and flip it. <laughs> but so they attack and they sort of reveal the plan. They've got these evil Bill and Ted robots that they're going to send back in time to stop the utopian future from happening and create this, you know, terrible future where this guy is the is the leader and, you know, work under his philosophies, which are decidedly less rock and roll. So what are his philosophies? I, Do they like? Because I know he has a book that he gives everybody. He has like a memoir that he hands out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty thick book, but his main beef seems to be that he doesn't like all the like air guitaring, which I mean, that would get annoying as like a societal thing. Um, But uh, I don't know. (laughs) Doesn't seem that bad. (laughs) 
He's okay with everything in the Utopian Society except the air guitar. Well, maybe it's also like the Dayglow uh, outfits, too. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. those things, well, yeah. you know, yeah. They, they almost lose me there, Bill and Ted's Utopian future. <laughs> but So they're going to send the evil robots back in time, but um, Rufus manages to sort of like use a futuristic flying V as a grappling hook and snag a ride on there, though it seems like maybe he's lost in the time stream forever and, um, you know, the robots are in the past in, you know, 1991 or whenever this movie takes place. Yeah, well, it was made in 91, so I guess it probably takes place around that. Early 90s-ish era. So Bill and Ted, I mean, after everything that happened in the last movie, like we understood that, yes, they, you know, they passed their, their history exam and they were on the way to pave this great utopian future for us all. But it seems to be kind of stalling because, you know, they've got the band going and they've sort of like, you know, Stella McCartney and Meg Whited, the uh, medieval babes, into the group. <laughs> but there's. Wait, wait, what did you say? Who, which McCartney? Oh, wait, no. Uh, what, what, yeah, not Stella McCartney. It was a. Uh, which one's Stella? Is that his daughter? Yeah, I think so. What? Linda McCartney. It was Linda. Linda played uh, keyboards, was it? Yeah, that's in, right. Uh, in Wings. Yeah. And Wings, yeah. And backup vocals. And also, she, you know, she made that terrific record. Ram, do you know that one? No, I don't. With Paul? Oh, it's great. Let's everybody pause this podcast, go on, <laughs> go on your music service and listen to that album. Yeah. But they are auditioning for the Battle of the Bands uh, for Pam Greer. And frankly, she's sure. not impressed. Guys, you keep telling me you're going to be the greatest band in the world, but you stink. Yeah. We don't understand it either. I mean, I mean you, you can't sing. I mean, the girls, they can play, but you guys? Girls mature faster than guys. Plus, they started in the 15th century. What do you mean? Well, they're from medieval England. Ted, shut up. Uh, medieval England, Iowa. Like, she says that the girls are kind of good, but uh, Bill and Ted, they don't have the chops. They haven't been working. And she tells them, like, you know, put an act together and, you know, do it. She does give them a chance but it seems like Bill and Ted are just sort of like stuck. They can't they can't sort of get their shit together at all. Well, it's funny because they're like really bad and they can't play their instruments. And she's like, well, I'll put you on, but you have to go last at midnight. <laughs> it's like, well, I think in like rock circuits, that's probably a pretty good slot. Yeah. <laughs> like you probably want that 11 o'clock midnight. You know, you're basically the headliner at that point. Well, I mean, not to spoil the movie, but like Primus opens oh, yeah. for them. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, Primus is in a local battle of the bands. And it's not like Les Claypool is playing a guy who sounds like Primus in this movie because there's someone in the audience wearing a Primus t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So it's like legitimately the band Primus. It's like they were having a rough couple of years, you know? <laughs> I guess. We do this battle of the bands in San Dimas, California. God. We used to well, play Lollapalooza. Know, no one's built it. <laughs> no one's creating any uh, future societies based on their albums. Damn, yeah, no. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> For good reason. But, so, yeah, it seems like they're sort of going nowhere. But... That said, you know, they're still, like, living their lives. It's a, They have a big birthday party for the medieval babes. They're 500-and-something years old. It's kind of funny. Wait, are, so are they twins? I was confused about this. Why do they have the same birthday? I think it's just because Bill and Ted are dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
because they make they keep like making this joke that they don't quite understand that like they haven't experienced 500 years like right when, like when they're talking to pam greer they're like it's not fair girls mature faster also they had 500 more years on us or whatever right <laughs> But it's, yeah, that's that's my nightmare is looking foolish in front of Pam Green. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a big fear. Luckily, that it hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> but even though their lives aren't awesome and they like give a speech to this effect to their uh, girlfriends, they propose and uh, and their girlfriends accept. So it seems like everything's going to be sort of OK. And I would just like to say at this moment, Keanu's eyes when he proposes to the medieval babe are fucking so soulful. Like, you could just get lost in them. And, you know, you can really see, like, the difference between, like, Keanu Reeves and, like, the other guy who is not a famous actor. Like, you know. (laughs) You keep forgetting his name. You forgot his name in the other podcast, too. It's Alex Winter. I know. He's a documentarian. I know. I really respect him. I think I follow him on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He seems like a good guy. Yeah, he seems cool. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't remember his name. It is a season. I should be able to remember that. But uh... Yeah, but I know what you mean. He doesn't have, like, you can tell watching this movie, also because it's a few years later, and, like, Keanu Reeves is, is firmly a movie star at this point. Oh, yeah. He's a little more... A little more confident, a little more. He's a little more screen presence. Well, not to mention, I would argue in this than than in the first one. And not to mention, we're currently in the process of a Keanuissance. I yeah, I, I don't buy that. It never it never went away. Well, the, the Keanu. But I mean, like the perception, like the overall perception of Keanu was like he's a bad actor. When he's in things, it's bad, and he can't really do it. But you know he's sort of funny now. People love him. Like he found his niche, and that's true. You know, People want him to succeed in a way that will make him succeed. So, I mean, like this Bill and Ted movie, I think it's largely sort of riding on the fact that Keanu made himself a big star again with like John Wick and a whole bunch of other stuff that year. You know, I think he is a good actor in general. For sure. I feel like I've trashed him a lot on this show just because the type of movies we talk about on this show are typically the kind of movies where he's not that good, like Dracula, Dracula yeah. or you know things like that, but I, I know there's my own private Idaho. And, yeah, you know I th- and and he's just got like and, and he also just takes such interesting parts. Like he, I think I think he's an interesting actor. Even just the fact that he's like doing Bill and Ted again now, I think is is kind of cool. And I, I respect Keanu. And everyone says he's a nice guy for sure. I mean, that's the other thing. Do you think? Do you think he'll come on the show, Rob? If we ask him, if we keep complimenting he him, probably yeah. would. he went to my high school. Did he? <laughs> he did nice. briefly. He went to a few high schools. I think he got thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the evil robots have firmly arrived in the present, and they first start to make chaos by making Bill and Ted think that their girlfriends have broken up with them. And then they sort of just go out and lure them to the desert and uh, and throw them off a cliff. And I, it's the same desert as the uh, the Star Trek scene that they're showing earlier, right? It's the same uh, location. Yeah, it's like the Vasquez Desert or something. I know that's the character from Aliens, but I, I think it is called something <laughs> like that. You're just looking at a DVD copy of Aliens, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, they yeah they they watched the scene. Uh, I, I like that. That was a good touch. Yeah, and I mean, the robots themselves. 
we haven't sort of talked about them, but they are a lot of fun. I mean, because I think what's really great is that they still have like Bill and Ted's personality, but evil. So, you know, yeah. they're sort of like the mirror image and Winters and Reeves have a lot of fun with it, you know, with the uh, with the. Yeah. And th- they do a really good job of because it's it, it seems like kind of a, a tough needle to thread in a way because they're still playing the Bill and Ted persona, which is funny and affable. But they have to find a way to also make that menacing and and evil. And I think they do that really well. I was also, you know, I was thinking about this movie and, you know, I was watching some of the behind the scenes documentaries about the making of it and just thinking about the characters in general. And, you know, one thing we singled out in terms of the original and what makes that work so well is this idea that Bill and Ted are kind of childlike and naive yes. and and pure of heart. Like, even though, you know, they may, you know, make some dirty jokes or use some bad words, like they're... They're not stoners. We never see them do drugs. No. They don't, they're not no. even having sex with their girlfriends. Like they specifically say, like how <laughs> right. chaste they are. So yeah. they are these, these kind of like childlike guys. But I could almost see, like, in the wake of the first movie, like, you know, doing and, you know, the R rated, you know, stoner teen comedy version of Bill and Ted. Yeah. And then I, I could, kind of see in this kind of meta reading of the movie perhaps the evil bill and ted are kind of that version of the character like if you if you skew those those dumb teens from the first movie just ever so slightly into you know raunchier edgier comedy that they could become so unlikable and 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 so they're almost like that's all teens fighting this worse fictional version of themselves in a way yeah yeah yeah, I think it's I think it's really neat, and also like the the robots look cool, and like the skin thing is also very, uh, as you said, uh, very creepy. Um, but so it is creepy, yeah. But and they just like throw. I was not wrong to be creeped you're out. Not, you're not <laughs> wrong. It's a perfectly natural fear. <laughs> but they throw Bill and Ted off the cliff, and uh, Bill and Ted fucking die, man. They they stand up and they like look at their own bodies, and they are you know spirits. And then they're confronted by Death, the Grim Reaper, who, you know, comes to lead them to the afterlife. And, like, nobody wants that. So they ask, like, what can they do? And the Grim Reaper says, well, if you beat me in a challenge, then you can go free. So they decide to uh, give him what they call a Melvin... And uh, just bolt out of there. But uh, I, I've never heard that other than this movie. It's a, it's a wedgie, right? It's I, it's like a reverse wedgie. I think it's where like oh. you do a wedgie, but in like the crotch area. Okay. I mean, I know that because I looked it up uh, from this movie. But I don't know. Was was that a thing before this? I don't Probably know. I thought was. maybe it was like a regional term. Like you know, it's like they use it in Albany or something. But. I the the whole death game thing, which will come back later, feels like a very. I mean, it definitely is a, a nod to the Seventh Seal. Oh, I didn't get um, that. Even like, <laughs> no, but like obviously the costuming of death and stuff. But in that movie, which I haven't seen in a while, isn't it more like him pl- Max von Sydow playing chess with death? That's not like. It's just like a prolonged like metaphor for our own dreary scandinavian existence isn't it it's not like 
<laughs> like he's like, if I play chess, like <laughs> I live and you die, it's more like you know your whole life you're playing chess against death, kind of. Isn't that supposed to be the point of it? You know, it may surprise you being someone who hosts a movie podcast, but I haven't seen The Seventh Seal. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if it was made in 1988, then maybe. <laughs> I, you know, I don't remember. Because I know he is like, Max von Sydow is like a knight who's dying. So maybe yeah. that is the premise of it. I don't, you know, I don't remember. But it, it you know, I went through a Bergman phase when I was, uh, who, what, <laughs> what cool teen amongst us doesn't go through a Bergman phase <laughs> in high school? But... That was never one of my favorites. I liked some of the other kind of odd ones. But we're getting off the the point. The point is they escape death. They become ghosts. Yeah. And they they head to Ted's dad's police station. Yeah. This is, I think, my, my favorite scene in the movie where Ted possesses his dad. Because, again, these guys, particularly, like, the dad is, like, fucking amazing as uh, Ted. Like, he fucking nails it. I love his performance. The dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, he, when he's possessed, he's great. And, you know, we didn't mention, I think we mentioned on on the Excellent Adventure podcast, but, like, one of my favorite jokes in the entire franchise is that Bill's dad, who was married to Missy, the character they went to high school with, She's just kind of like uh, inexplicably married to Ted's dad <laughs> right, yeah. in this one. And Bill's dad's life has just fallen apart. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they, well, they keep on making jokes about who she's going to marry next. One of the like newspapers in the uh, future in the credits says that she marries the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, they're at the police station and they try to yeah the 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 dad like the way he even like his body language changes to be more like oh he's Keanu so good Reeves. it's really funny yeah he he must have like studied like mime for fifteen years in France but yeah and then they the, the next tactic they try is to they Missy is having a seance and so they sort of interrupt and try to get her to tell everybody that they are dead and to investigate their murder or whatever. But she thinks it's evil spirits, and she, she uses some sort of Barnes & Noble spell book to, to send them to hell. Spirits, what have you to say to us? Okay, the princesses are in Which is, is like a master of the dark arts. <laughs> yeah, it's also weird because it's like the middle of the day and her and a bunch of friends are just having a seance in a living room. Yeah, but if you have, I mean, it's hard to have a seance in the evening if you have kids. Like maybe you know, uh, you have to put the kids down and, uh, you know. It's really cut into our seances. Yeah. That's true. But I, I no, I do, I do like that. I do love that. Just like, yeah, the, in in the in the sort of world of of San Dimas, and people are just having seances in, in suburban living rooms. That's funny. Uh, and I also like, you know, storytelling wise, like keeping that idea of what we we're talking about of Bill and Ted being these kind of pure souls. Like they don't just die and go to hell. The only reason why they go to hell is because she sends them to hell, right? With this exactly incantation. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. Yeah, and yeah, they go, they do the whole thing. They see like it's like metal hell. Like there's like a big like fucking metal dragon head that's breathing fire, and you know they see the devil up there, Satan himself. And of course, to get his attention, they give him the metal sign, the sign of the devil. And uh, you know he pulls them close, and um, they ask to go. And uh, he says he'll let them go, but instead he sends them down to this sort of, like, labyrinthine, like, uh, psychoscape, which is, like, their own personal hell, which is full of, like, all of their, like, nightmares and things that haunted them, like, you know, the infamous Colonel Oates. The specter that has been haunting them for two movies is they're still, you know, being threatened to go to military academy. Uh, two movies and at least a few episodes of that TV show. I wonder if Colonel Oates is going to make an appearance in Bill and Ted 3. It's like, it's not too late for you boys. I know you're 54, but you could still use some discipline. Oh, man. Well, we already know the ghosts are real. Maybe the ghost of Colonel Oates. Oh, will. shit. <laughs> come back yeah that's i i love this whole sequence it's fantastic like the way they visualize it the tunnels are just like a little too low so they have to crouch and you know they're all a little surreal they've got weird Mm -hmm. kind of german expressionist angles and everything's just this heightened reality it's great Mm -hmm. so we've got kind of three scenes there we've got colonel oates yeah in military academy then, then they split up, which is yeah, bad thing, bad idea. Bad idea. Hell. You're better as a couple. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no uh, solo records. So Bill's it's a memory from when he was a kid, and he had to like kiss his grandmother on the lips. Yeah, and it really freaked him out. Yeah, I mean, if it was me, and it, it was if it was my memory, it would be me not wanting to see Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey <laughs> in theaters. <laughs> Come on, JM, it's time to go see the film. <laughs> <laughs> but and the grandmother is played by Alex Winter. What? Yeah, and he's in like heavy prosthetic makeup. Oh man, that's crazy. I didn't know that, but uh that adds like a good dimension to it. Yeah. It's really messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's 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 a creepy scene and then Ted's is that he stole his brother's Easter candy, yeah, and is then terrorized by like a pink Easter bunny, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, he has all this like guilt, I guess, and it's manifested in that like form. Yeah, it's this really creepy like animatronic, you know, bunny puppet yeah. thing. Yeah, I was because there's also uh, you know his brother Deacon, who's in the first movie, who you know has to babysit Napoleon. Yeah, is not in this movie. No, but because like his sort of hell moment is this guilt about stealing his brother's candy, and and because he was somehow excised from Bogus Journey, like I, I was reading online, there are fan theories wondering if some terrible fate befell poor Deacon oh between movies, and that's why it's so traumatic for Ted. Oh my God, Ted needs therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they they escape that. They decide that they're going to take death up on his challenge, and they're going to, you know, risk it all and, you know, take him on. And, you know, if they win, then they get to go free. If not, then they have to spend eternity in hell, which was what they were going to have to do anyway. So there's no lose in the situation. You might as well challenge death. Totally. And that's a good rule for anybody listening out there. Always challenge death. Mm, Yeah. Hey, quick question, Rob. If it were you... Mm -hmm. Uh, and you got to pick a game to challenge death. What game would you pick? 
Who? Okay. Well, I would pick something like war, where it's like a fifty-fifty chance, because then there's no skill involved, and even if I fuck something up, I can't like feel bad about it, because it's like you know, it's chance. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it. Monopoly. I, I it goes on to... forever. Oh, that's a good point. Like just like stall. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't know. Trivial Pursuit, maybe. Oh yeah, I do. I'm pretty good at like the old Trivial Pursuit, where all the questions don't go past 1982. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at that. So, but they play what? They play Battleship first. Yeah, right? Battleship first. But they sink his battleship. He challenges them to two out of three, and uh, then they play Clue. <laughs> I like yeah, that one. That yeah. was good. And then I think finally they beat him at uh, Twister. You know. Death is not quite as uh, flexible as he uh, thought he was. And, uh, yeah, he goes down. And he finally relents. He finally gives in and lets them go. And he he goes with them, too. I guess he has to, like, you know, serve them or something now that he's been beaten. That seems kind of like it sucks for him. Yeah. It also means, like, I guess no one can die for, like, a good 48 hours. Oh, shit. Because he's busy helping Bill and Ted. First, he takes them to heaven. Yes. Which is also a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they uh, they get into the gates of heaven by quoting that shitty poison song, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Yeah. And did you notice who's uh, who's guarding the gates of heaven? No. Who? It is uh, Taj Mahal, oh. the, uh, the guitarist. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, you know... It's another guitarist. It makes sense. And also, you know, in in the first movie, they certainly had a lot of, like, important figures played by uh, noteworthy people, including including some musicians. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and God sort of sends them to Station, uh, who is this, like, you know, these two alien creatures, and they're going to help build this, like good robot Bill and Ted to fight the evil robot Bill and Ted so that they can save the future. And that's what they do. They, like, go to, like, the Radio Shack or whatever and put together all of these things. And it's, like, you know, it looks, like, pretty, like, old school and primitive. Like, they basically look like they're made of, like, Legos or something like that. But, um, you know, it seems like they'll do the job. And they have fun along the way, you know. I think that's the important part. Like, there's, like, a bit where a station, for some reason, you know, turns from two stations into one station. You're like, okay, sure. I mean, that feels five minutes. And then they... (laughs) Yeah, first he turns into, like, a Cronenbergian kind of blob monster. And then then becomes one giant station. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up in terms of a life cycle. But also, like... You know, it seems like those effects must have been kind of expensive in the time for, like, you know, not really doing much. Maybe. I mean, it's it's just a third rubber costume, really. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But so, it, while they've been gone, all this shit has gone down, and evil Bill and Ted have been evil. And, yeah, yeah they've, like, I don't know, like, tried to, like, you know, sexually assault Bill and Ted's girlfriends. <laughs> No way! This isn't funny! Way to go, Joanna! I don't understand what's come over you two. Well, you see, we used to be pussweeds, but now we're metal. So get over here and put out! <laughs> Let's go! You can forget about us playing tonight. <laughs> 
and they're also going to go to the Battle of the Bands and uh, deliver the evil message that will change the future to the bad future. So that's got to be stopped. And, like, this makes the Battle of the Bands seem like the biggest thing in the world. Like, it's being oh covered God, on, yes. like, the, on, like, the news. <laughs> Everybody's watching at home, you know. <laughs> As someone who has played in multiple battles of bands, it has never once been covered by... <laughs> the news like when they're at the police station the uh the police before they possess them are like and uh we've got to be beefing up security because there's the battle of the bands like is this like a literal battle of the bands are are musicians like murdering each other is this like some sort of black metal thing <laughs> well also it was such a big deal one of the cops was like hey isn't your son's band play-? like everyone knew what was happening at the battle of bands it was like the only news item in that town yeah well primus is playing so that's a big thing that's true. Their star fell so suddenly. Yeah, <laughs> they had a moment. Uh, but yeah, it's like a big deal. It's huge. So it's, yeah, it's, it's extra crazy that they're on this bill because they're like a really terrible band. This is clearly like the biggest uh, concert event of the year. Mm-hmm. And then the real Bill and Ted show up and kind of challenge Robot Bill and Ted, right? Yeah, the good Robot Bill and Ted's, you know. They control them and make them, like, knock off the heads of the evil robot Bill and Ted's. And then that pretty much neutralizes the evil robot threat. But there's still the big bad guy, Denomalos, or whatever his name is. I think I might have been missing a syllable there. But he comes... Denomalos, that makes sense. Okay. All right. Remember, it's Ed Ed Solomon backwards. Right. That's, yeah. Denomalos, yeah. Well, I mean, at least I don't have to feel bad messing up his name, that it's like a real name or something like that, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's 100% not a real name. <laughs> but at this point, Denomalos comes and confronts Bill and Ted, and, you know, he's going to give his message and everything. But Bill and Ted, they use this time travel fuckery that they used in the first movie so that they can beat Denomalos by, like, dropping a cage on him or something like that. Except Denomalos uses the same time travel fuckery to escape with a key. But then Bill and Ted use the time travel fuckery better and uh, because they know that only one person can change the future because only one person can win the fight. And uh, so they do that, and they beat the bad guy. Everything is, yeah. you know, that's it, you know? They've, they've secured the future, except that they still have to play the Battle of the Bands and uh, they never really bothered to learn how to play their instruments. And, you know, while that wasn't really a problem for the Sex Pistols, uh, for the Wild Stallions, it's going to take a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> yeah, so they, like, use the time machine to go learn their instruments for, like, at least a year or something, because yeah. they have babies when they come back. <laughs> they say 16 months. They do a 16-month guitar okay. intensive. And, like... This is where I'm so, like, sort of like starting to wonder about the movie. Like, did they just cheat? You know, the future. Like, how did that? You know, I don't know. Like, did they, they didn't like learn a lesson or anything? You know, they just sort of like time travel saved us. Yeah, I remember one time my old band when I was in university, we played a Battle of the Bands at a university, and then we left to play a show at like a bar. And apparently, the people weren't happy that we did that. 
<laughs> and we just we just went to another neighborhood. So, uh, oh, and we didn't talk about one of the strangest reveals in the movie is that that Pam Greer was uh, was Rufus all along, right? Yeah. Ah. So Rufus like did successfully travel to the past, but instead of like giving Bill and Ted a heads up about <laughs> the killer robots, he like got a Pam Greer suit. <laughs> And and a job managing the Battle of the Bands. And, like, was there a real Pam Greer? Did he, like, is she, like, tied up in her apartment oh my God. somewhere? Or, like, or is this some a character he created whole cloth? And if so, how did he get this job? Like, there are just so many questions I have, but there's not enough time left in the movie to address any of them. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed because I was, like, you know, we got, like, a smidgen of George Carlin at the beginning. And then, yeah, he's not there for the rest of the movie. And then when he does show up we lose pam greer so you know it's not really a win yeah. <laughs> that's true pam greer is awesome uh but also like i yeah it's funny i'd forgotten how little carlin is in this movie because that was one of uh my first thoughts and i think a lot of people's first thought when they announced the new movie was actually happening was you know how do you do a bill and ted movie now that george carlin has passed yeah. but he's he's in this movie hardly at all he's in it for a few minutes maybe I, like like i wonder like i know he's not in the first movie a ton but like to have him be in the opening scene and then to have him be like <laughs> an entirely different actor in disguise feels like he was maybe busy doing shining time yeah. station or something and couldn't quite commit to the the time you want me you gotta pay required. me that shining time money <laughs> those shiny shiny coins <laughs> they pay me they pay me in coins and i get to keep that conductor outfit but then what happens at the very end is controversial is too strong a word but there's a a kind of epilogue uh in a way where they sort of tell the story of what happened to bill and ted after this concert because the concert is also being beamed all over the world right uh because because joss ackland did something funny with the tv set uh or with the tv cameras so like bill and ted are reaching everybody mm -hmm. and it seems like they're uniting the earth in the way that you know uh, was kind of prophesized by Rufus in the first movie, and and so at the end, as the credits play, we see all these headlines about how they're like the biggest band in the world, and they're like you know they're creating world peace, and you know traveling to Mars and all this <laughs> stuff. So uh, the premise of the new movie is is involves Bill and Ted not being not having found the song that uh creates you know the utopian future that they thought they were supposed to create it wasn't god which, gave rock and roll to you too by kiss no <laughs> i didn't think so <laughs> but also like so like they basically said they kind of ignored everything that happens in the credits in this movie because i'd forgotten all about that but they apparently like the team behind the movie like ed solomon and chris matheson didn't even write a lot of those headlines like it was the people that did the the titles right so they kind of don't consider it's that part canon. of the bill and ted canon yeah mm, that makes sense i mean yeah i i could sort of see that as being like some sort of like fantasy you know, being part of their, like, continued sort of delusion about themselves. Like, that's what I sort of wonder about this whole Bill and Ted thing. Are they, like, 
are they like having some sort of episode or something like that? Some sort of like shared right. delusion, <laughs> you know, caused by the blurring of their identities where, and now they think that they're, you know, they're going to save the future with rock and roll. I mean, we've met people like that, I think. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it would be so sad if, like, the end of the new movie is just, like, cuts to them in, like, 1989, and it's like they had simultaneous aneurysms <laughs> inside of a phone booth. Bogus! Outside the Circle K. Uh, that would be sad. Yeah, it's just like their history books around them. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll be right back. We've got some trivia. We've got some behind-the-scenes stuff. More to come after this. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. We're back on Rewatchability. We're talking about Bill and Ted's bogus journey this week. And uh, I've got some trivia for you, Rob. All right. Uh, I just have to travel back in time and get the subjects. No, 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 no. Okay, shit. No, no, no. That's not allowed. Uh, That's how I thought things worked. This movie tricked me. (laughs) I thought cheating was okay. You are a Bill and Ted super fan, so let's see how you do with these. Um, So we didn't mention this, but death in the movie, the Grim Reaper, is played by the great William Sadler. Yes. Phenomenal in this movie. I think uh, everyone would agree, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorite parts. And the the Reaper rap is one of the most memorable things from the movie. I think I still think it's funny. He Everything he does in this movie is funny, yeah. I think. He, he's great. He's great. Uh, didn't we... we the, uh, Blaine... Didn't Blaine's friend, like... <laughs> date his daughter i feel like or something yeah there's some sort of story like that but i also feel like blaine told the story on one of our very early episodes and then he amended the story so maybe it wasn't about i think it was about william sadler i think it was william sadler because i think we like called his friend and made him tell the story on like probably if we did die hard Two or oh something. oh my god <laughs> yeah we'll have to go back and listen to that diplomatic uh, immunity <laughs> No, you didn't take Joss Ackland's stuff. No, okay. <laughs> so William Sadler plays Death. He's he's fantastic. Yeah. He played another role okay. in this movie. What role did William Sadler play uh, other, than, okay. other than Death? Hmm. Let me think. Who could it be? Um, it's not Bill or Ted. Oh, that was going to be my answer. Damn. Um, and it could. It's not the medieval babes, <laughs> and it's not Pam nope. Greer. I don't. I mean, nope. I'm going to say she was. She was played by George Carlin, <laughs> as we've established. I'm going to say Satan. That's my best guess. Is he plays Satan? Oh, yeah. no. You, you know who I think did the voice of Satan? Who? Interestingly enough, I believe it was legendary voice artist Frank Welker. Yeah, that's. Cool. I, I think was Satan, but William Sadler. You can see without his Grim Reaper makeup. Oh wait, he's, no, uh, I did see him. Yeah, William oh, Sadler. Yeah, yeah. He was an. He was like a guy watching the TV screen. Yeah, he's the guy in England. Yeah. And you know it's England because there's a jar of Marmite on the counter yeah. <laughs> next to the TV. That's how you know. And he's apparently with his real wife and kid oh, uh, watch, watching nice. the TV, uh, doing a British accent. Okay, question number two. Okay. We see Bill and Ted's apartment in this movie. Okay. What is their apartment number? Oh, I uh, didn't see. Um, I'm going to say the most metal number. Uh, 666, Number of the Beast. Oh. 
Well, this is kind of a trick question. Okay. Because I don't know what the real apartment number is because they spray painted it out and painted in 69. <laughs> Excellent! <laughs> Can you add some guitar noises there? <laughs> Will do. Okay, question number three. We talked about <laughs> about how Missy uses the book Riddance of Evil to get rid of the, the spirits of Bill and Ted at the seance. What real book did the art department redress to become uh, Riddance of Evil? Um, the Bible? Oh, good guess. Incorrect. Oh, damn. Uh, it was Four Past Midnight by Stephen King. Oh, that's a good one. It has it's all those little stories in book. it. Yeah, and I think I heard, I don't know if this is totally true, but I did hear something about like one of the artists that did artwork for that book. You can see in the movie, and they had to, you know, pay him a little bit or something. <laughs> I like when they're always uh, when it's always a bit of trivia when they have to like accidentally pay somebody money that they didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did give uh, them a hundred bucks, man. It was a real, you know, we spent, you know, we made thirty million dollars on this movie. <laughs> well, I think the movie did do pretty well. I don't know if it did as well as the first one, but it. I think it came just behind Terminator Two at the box office Whoa. when it came out. I mean, that's pretty good. Terminator 2 was like the biggest movie at the time. Now, the original idea for the sequel did not involve going to hell. The original title was Bill, Bill and Ted Go to Hell. But before that, the studio pitched to them an idea where Bill and Ted are going to flunk English class. <laughs> so they have to kind of magically go into all these works of literature. Uh, Wait, and, like Wishbone meet- style? Yeah, Wishbone. It's basically Wishbone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh how does that yeah. work i mean time travel okay that's scientifically plausible but i don't see how bill and ted can go into say the works of shakespeare i mean unless it's like keanu reeves and hamlet i i don't know but to be fair they go to hell in this movie and that's not time travel either yeah that's true uh, but they rejected that idea the writers didn't want to just kind of rehash the first movie and they had, uh, you know, they had the actors behind them from what I can gather. Like the actors also didn't want to just do the same movie again. Mm-hmm. They kind of like used their clout to, you know, say we're not coming back unless we're going to do something different and, uh, and significant. And, and, uh, and oddly they hired a first time director for this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. The guy who made this movie, what's his name? Peter something. I've forgotten already, but he had only done like, he did like a short film that I guess had gotten a lot of buzz and acclaim, uh, Peter Hewitt. Okay. And, uh, and he was hired to do this based on that because the original director turned it down. <laughs> um, I was watching some of the behind the scenes stuff. They talked about how like he came to it with this, you know, I, I maybe wanting to prove something a little bit because mm-hmm. it was his first movie, but also like really wanting to do something interesting visually with like the camera movements yeah. and everything. And you can totally see that in certain scenes, like thinking about like the, you know, the nightmare birthday For party sure. in hell where that ta- where the camera just pushes in on that table. And uh, there's a lot of uh, creative stuff in here. I thought it was I thought it was well put together. Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like a first time director's movie um, necessarily. So no, no. I think that's good. Uh, there 
is an alternate ending, oh. which is kind of like from the sense I get from like looking online is like the footage is probably long gone, but it's kind of like the holy grail for Bill and Ted fans would be to get the actual footage of this. <laughs> and and this is also why I was confused because it's in the comic book. This is kind of the big ending of the comic okay. is that the Bill and Ted robot. Well, first of all, like the Bill and Ted robots, when they kidnap the princesses at Missy's house, instead of like in the movie, they kind of like blow like a uh, gas or something at her and render her unconscious. Yeah. But originally, Bill and Ted uh, like punch her in the face Holy and just shit. knock her unconscious. Yeah, it's it's dark. Uh, and then they punch her unconscious, and then they reveal to the princesses that they're they're each wearing skin suits of the other. So Evil Ted is really Evil Bill, and vice versa. So again, they like peel off their skin and reveal that they're the other character. It's very strange, <laughs> and and they actually filmed that. You can see like images of them on the set like putting the you know the skins on the actors where they're you know emerging from a cocoon of you know keanu reeves face or whatever Uh, and you can actually you can see in the movie you can see the discarded skin on the ground even though they cut that part i mean that would have terrified you (laughs) yeah right that would have been i think Uh, legit scary i think if they had added that stuff in it's weird. It's also just this weird, surreal joke. Like, there's no kind of story <laughs> reason why that needs to happen. No. It's just it's just totally strange. Yeah. But then to kind of thwart Bill and Ted once they find out they're alive, the robots conjure the nightmare demon creatures from hell oh. to, to come at them. So... As they're sort of hurtling towards the Battle of the Bands in their van, they come face to face with Colonel Oates, the uh, bunny rabbit, and uh, the granny. Wow. And they're all kind of like giant demon fanged versions and stuff. Okay. Like, and again, you can see some images of this. It was like this big epic thing. Wow. From what I under, from what I understand, uh, I think Alex Winter tweeted this out. Like they went over budget with it. It was something they they filmed about half of it and had to stop because of, uh, I guess they they couldn't afford to to do any more of it. But. Huh. It is interesting. Wow. And it, like I said, it's all in the comic. And it's kind of interesting because it does resolve that whole plot line because kind of like their emotional journey is is them resolving all those fears. Like they don't fight them. They resolve them. So like Bill kisses his grandmother and right. she goes away. Ted phones up his brother who is alive and uh, <laughs> tells him tells him about the time he ate his candy and apologizes. But what about and Colonel then, Oates? Well, what they do with Colonel Oates is they basically like listen to him and give him like hours of therapy where he like confides about like how he, he acts out and acts all tough because he was like emotionally neglected uh, or something. Oh uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that. I, that would have been good. It was good. Yeah, it's it's too bad that it was all cut, but yeah, it was a much different ending from the sounds of it, and like the whole retread of the first movies, like we're gonna go back in time and like set all this stuff up that didn't seem to be in there in the comic at least they like throw <laughs> throw the robot heads at joss ackland and they explode or something <laughs> so it, it was almost very different and i i did watch an interview with ed solomon and he was saying like they didn't feel like they nailed the third act of this movie they didn't feel right. like it it quite came together in the way that it was it was supposed to and that was probably my biggest problem with it rewatching it is like the first one 
you know, so successfully built to that yes. moment of the presentation. And this didn't really no. have the same impact. Uh, you felt the same way? Yeah. You know, I mean, I really wanted to, uh, I really wanted to go back to like my happy place with, uh, with this movie. And like, there are so many elements that I really love. Like I love, you know, I think it's a big movie. It's a big journey and, um, there's a lot of great stuff in it, but I sort of like found myself like a little bit underwhelmed by it. And I don't think that it has like the same like impetus or anything that the other movie does. Like, you know, yeah, in the first movie, they're like, you know, they're trying to like overcome themselves being sort of dumb people. And um, this is the fun way that they do it. And they do it in their own way. And it's great. And in this movie, it's just sort of about them surviving and um, going to fulfill out this thing. But there's not a lot of like stuff there, like without the resolution of like the grandma and the bunny rabbit scenes. Like it feels like there's just like stuff happening for no reason. A lot of the time. Yeah, totally. And also, you know, it seemed like Keanu Reeves was a little disappointed about that. And I know that because at the, you know, the premiere for this movie was covered by MTV. Whoa. and in the most 90s move ever, they sent their correspondent, Polly Shore, <laughs> to cover the premiere of Bogus Journey. And could we play a clip of that quickly? We can. Hey, honestly, you saw both Bill and Ted movies, right? Okay, right. uh, I heard rumors and stuff at the beginning that you didn't want to do the second one. Right. Well, so yeah. are you happy you did the second one? Totally, man. Yeah. Totally. You like, do you like it? Yeah, man, I do, I do. I mean, there's some scenes that got cut out for whatever reasons that um, I miss, but I think that the film is good, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I was with Alex earlier, yeah. and, you know, we <laughs> talked about the same thing, yeah. that how I didn't get the role and stuff, and yeah. how, like, no, it, okay. n- no, no, that's okay, that was my first thing, and plus you're better than me, you know, <laughs> whatever. Ted, Ted, yeah. for them. But, you know, but we all auditioned camp, but I, he gave me, like, a little air guitar, so maybe you can give me an air guitar. You're a liar, man. No, I, I swear. Dude, he did, did I? Did he? Air guitar, no, man. we both did one of these just because nah, he felt man. sorry for me. No, nah, man, I don't believe that. You're not gonna give I me an air guitar? No, man. I can't oh my that. god! <laughs> Come I can't on, dude, that. please. I can't believe that. No, no, I can't believe that Alex did that. Dude, dude I may. Can you play it on tape or something, man? They got it, proof. No, he gave me an air guitar. I want an air guitar, Keanu. I deserve an air guitar, man. No. Right, so, oh my <laughs> that was Keanu Reeves re- refusing to give an air guitar to Polly Shore. Good. And they, you know, what they were what they were referring to there was the Polly Shore audition for Bill and Ted. And uh, oh my was, god, it's a dark timeline. <laughs> Polly Shore has a yeah. movie coming out too. He has like a comeback thing that he's trying to do, but it doesn't look uh, doesn't look so great. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever read that? I can't remember what publication it was. Maybe Vice or something. Someone wrote a long article about what their day-to-day life was like working as Polly Shore's intern. Oh my God, no. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and depressing. It was, it, was, it was pretty depressing, but, but very funny. I do also want to mention a couple of things. You know, there's been a lot of uh, press for the new movie, so they've been interviewing you know, the writers and the stars and stuff. So I was looking through some of that, and uh, William Sadler had a nice story uh, talking about working on hmm. this movie. He said... 
He said, uh, you know, one of his best experiences was meeting George Carlin. Oh. You know, who's one of his heroes, obviously. And uh, he said at the end of shooting, he gave George Carlin a tape of like a, his band. Because I guess he was, he was in a band. And he's like, oh, here, you know, listen to this, check it out if you want. Just as like a, a friendly thing. And he said, just randomly, 10 years later, George Carlin called him up and said, like, hey, man. I totally wore that tape out and it broke. Can you give me give me another one? <laughs> Whoa! Oh, that's yeah, nice. So, yeah, it was a sweet story. Oh, George Carlin seemed like he was like you know the best. You know, yeah. I did, like you never hear bad things about him, um, except he t- said inappropriate words on television. He, he said bad. at least you know at least six of them. Yeah, maybe, maybe even more. Too many. Five max. <laughs> and the other just funny bit of trivia I had about this movie was uh, was the name Station, which is kind of a weird name right. for the alien. Where does that come Did from? You know- well, apparently it comes from like uh, the writers were, I, I think, uh, a little drunk. And uh, while they were writing the movie, they, they deleted a scene in the police station. Uh-huh. But part of the slug line that said station was just kind of like left in the script accidentally and kind of floating in there. Uh-huh. And they noticed it and were just like saying station, like just saying the word because <laughs> it looked, looked funny and with right. no context. And, and that's how the alien was, uh, oh, was created. That's the, cool. the name. But also yeah. like people throughout the movie say station as like some sort of like. I don't know, like agreement or it's like cool. Like people are just like station. Did you notice that? Yeah, I was wondering about that too. I couldn't find anything conclusive about it, but I guess like the idea is maybe just that alien station in the future is like well known, maybe because of Bill and Ted and like has become just like a thing people say when something's a good idea or. I thought that was a nice touch. I, yeah, I don't it know. made it like, you know, it made it seem like, you know, deep and meaningful in a way that, you know, was interesting. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. Um uh, so Rob, you know what I'm going to ask? Oh man. Was this movie rewatchable for you? <sighs> you know, I have a lot of love for for these guys and I have a lot of love for their world, but I have to say that like I found myself a little bit bored by some of this stuff and like there's a lot of really good elements i still love like that they go to hell and they face death and like as a comedy movie like those are like fun things to watch that sort of like you know big journey and the sort of like spoofing of the seventh seal and all of that stuff but i did feel like underwhelmed by the journey it didn't seem like it had like a big purpose or meaning it just sort of seemed like it was happening because they made enough money with the first movie there wasn't anything to like resolve or like necessarily anything any way for like bill and ted to like grow or get over some sort of obstacle or like real obstacle that you know was preventing them from becoming like successful so i'm gonna say like mildly rewatchable like i could still watch it again but i feel like i'm a little bit like yeah, I feel like it's a little bit diminished in my eyes. It doesn't have like the magic oh, wow. of the first movie, um, though a lot of the elements I still really love. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I do think it was rewatchable. I enjoyed watching it a lot, even though I think it did kind of peter out in the ending. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean. But I think like to your point of like they don't really have like obstacles in the same way or it's not, you know, you don't have 
maybe as much of an emotional investment. I think that's part of the, you know, the charm of Bill and Ted is like, we're seeing these huge grand things that like anyone else would be, uh, you know, would be life changing, like awe inspiring things, but they just kind of go through it as Bill and Ted, like they're sort of their commitment to being those characters. It was, is what makes it funny. Yeah. Like, uh, like they're play- playing 20 questions as they're falling through like <laughs> <laughs> a bottomless abyss towards hell, like, uh, things like that. I, I think that carries over from the first movie. I think that works. I, I don't know. I just like, I, th- I think like part of it is that I enjoy watching it and I think it's funny and I think it's generally pretty good. But then the other part of it is like, I just respect and enjoy how different it is from the first movie and how, like how big a swing it was and how bold a choice it was to, to, to do this kind of thing after, after that first movie. So I don't know. Like I, yeah, I, I, it's hard to separate. I, I I really liked a lot of this movie. Yeah, I I, I did, and uh, it's got a lot of classic you know, stuff. Yeah, you know, it's funny though to think about like the new movie coming out because I'm excited for it and I have been very excited for it. But watching it uh, now, especially after having watched the first one in the past couple of years, like it it did feel like they kind of closed the book on Bill and Ted. It didn't feel like they left a lot of questions for the new movie. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, you know, excited for the new movie. I am, but it's funny to me that like, before I rewatched this one, I was almost more interested in, uh, in bringing that back. Whereas now I'm feeling like, Oh yeah, we, we kind of like, it, it, it kind of seemed resolved in a way it didn't feel like there it was uh it was begging for a follow-up am i wrong i don't i I don't think you're wrong and i think like there's something in the way that it's being like marketed is it's sort of like yeah it's like this throwback thing that's like warm but it's also like a little something of what we need right now like you know the be excellent to each other philosophy of bill and ted and everyone loves keanu and like even like ed solomon on twitter i follow him he's like a really positive guy but it it does also seem like like yeah like it's remembering like this thing through these rose-colored glasses and sort of like building it as like this like you know this big important like earnest movie and like the best part of bill and ted was that it wasn't like it was unassuming and they sort of like stumbled into like the big story and there was like comedy from that incongruity with this like i don't know like it seems like you know it seems like like so it seems like it's going to have to be so big like there's going to have to be like some sort of like passing the torch or like you know, some sort of, like, reconciliation that is, like, meaningful. And, like, I know I was saying that I was hoping for, like, a little bit of meaning from this film, but that almost seems like maybe it might try to be too meaningful. When it's just Bill and Ted. I mean, they're, like, dumb losers who are, like, funny and affable, and, you know, you want them to succeed because they're, like, good friends, you know? Yeah, though, you know, I did, I was listening to Ed Solomon talk about the sequel and, and trying to, like, you know, how to follow the ending specifically where you know bogus journey kind of resolved a lot of that with the with the credits uh and he was saying like you know like one of the ways we thought about was you know like they became super famous and then they split up and this movie is them getting back together yeah 
But he he did say like you can't do that reconciliation story because you can't break up Bill and Ted. No. They have to always be together. It, you know, you destroy the premise of Bill and Ted if Bill and Ted are ever not friends. Like that. So I I, I did feel like that was a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I yeah I I think yeah. Hopefully they won't try to build it up into something it's not and just kind of yeah maintain this tone which everything i've seen seems to indicate that that's what they'll do yeah and, and also like i i just think that's it's an interesting story like just the story that bill and ted had such lofty promise and seemed so terrible and then like haven't lived up to that promise and mm-hmm. are you know having this kind of midlife crisis in a way like I don't know. It seems like a good story. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, for sure. And it's also interesting because, like, the parallel to that story is that, like, they are important and meaningful, and people do seem to find, like, some sort of something in them all these years after. And I mean, like, yes, a lot of things are rebooted and a lot of properties are being brought back because somebody remembers them somewhere. But people really love this movie and people seem to want something that like serves that. And um, I'm not like totally opposed to that. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. We'll talk about it on the, the Patreon yeah. episode. And uh, until then, you can find more episodes of rewatchability.com on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review us on there. Whatever podcast device you listen to or, or whatever podcast service you you listen through, uh, I'm sure there's a, a way to rate it, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you can uh, follow us on Twitter at rewatchability, facebook.com slash rewatchability. And until next time, be excellent to each other bogus that's a good thing no 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 no. that's not right okay